Welcome to the Sounds of Encouragement, the place for musicians and music teachers to find support and encouragement to help you stay motivated, creative, and moving forward in what you do best. I'm Melissa Slocum, your host and number one encourager. I currently live in the Atlanta, Georgia area and have my own thriving studio teaching piano to all ages in person and online. I also help other teachers use student goal-based learning and differentiated instruction to increase motivation in their students and increase retention rates in their studios. You can learn more at www.musiclessonpathways.com. Thank you for tuning in to Sounds of Encouragement. Don't forget to subscribe so you get notified of future episodes. Enjoy the following episode. Don't forget to keep listening at the end and be sure to check out all the links in the comments or show notes. As always, I'm here for you, so you can be there for those who need you the most. Reach out to me at soundofencouragement at gmail.com and let me know how I can better support and encourage you. Hi there, and welcome to the Sounds of Encouragement. My name is Melissa Slocum, and in this solo episode... I want to talk to you about the myth of work-life balance. So for several years, a lot of people have talked about the idea of work-life balance and how to achieve balance between your work life and your other life. I've always sort of resisted the idea that balance was possible. And I'm going to share a little bit about why today and then talk to you about some specific strategies that you can use to put things into perspective maybe for yourself. So I hope you'll stay tuned and listen in. And I want to first put out there that if you are not feeling balanced in some way right now, I don't want you to feel worried about it. The last thing you need to do is add more stress or add more worry to your life about not being in balance. So wherever you find yourself right now, as you listen, know that you're okay right where you are. You're not doing anything wrong if things are out of balance for you right now. And not having work-life balance, even if it's possible, does not have to be your goal now or ever. So I know that that's not a very popular viewpoint, especially in today's culture, but I want you to hang out with me for a bit and listen why I don't buy into the whole work-life balance scenario equaling success or happiness. Before we do that, I want you to just do a little activity with me. Think back to the happiest, most memorable moments or the most memorable times in your life. Look backward, reach back through your life and remember just a few of the most cherished memories that you have. Got it? For me, those moments have had to do with maybe winning a competition, being on vacation, getting married, when my children were born, launching a new business venture or sitting with a close friend or family member. So now I want you to think about those times in your life. Would you describe those times as being balanced between all areas of your life? Mine were far from it. Boy, a wedding and planning a wedding and getting married is a chaotic but wonderful time. A child being born 
that's pretty chaotic and turns your world upside down, especially if you're a first-time parent. Graduating, winning awards, launching new ventures, buying a home, whatever your standout memories include, those are likely some of the most chaotic, unbalanced, yet most wonderful times of your life. So I'm going to encourage you to think outside of this idea of work-life balance here, because maybe, just maybe, having work-life balance is not the end-all be-all, and maybe it does not equate to success and happiness the way some people would like you to believe. Let's take a look historically at where work-life balance comes from. Where did we get that term, and how did we come to understand the need for work-life balance? Well, actually, uh, during the Industrial Revolution, uh, there were several different laws passed in the United States to protect children. So we had child labor laws. And then in 1938, the Fair Labor Standards Act was passed to establish the 40-hour work week and to establish holidays for workers so that people were not working in their jobs, many of them industrial, 100 hours a week. Fast forward to the 1970s, the 1980s. The phrase work-life balance was really coined in the 1980s, early 80s, as part of women's movements trying to redefine the role of women in workplaces and in home lives, especially as a pushback of women who were entering the workforce or re-entering the workforce professionally, but then going home and realizing that they were still responsible for doing all the work of the child care and all of the housework. And so... A lot of people were trying to redefine, especially women, the idea of work and life balance as early as the 70s and 80s as they were re-entering the workforce in a little different way. The other thing that happened in the 1980s is a lot of big companies started to offer employee benefits or employee services or employee programs to help them find balance in their lives by helping them with all of their errands and making it sort of one-stop shopping, if you will, that by going to work, they could also eat on campus in the cafeteria, company company cafeteria. They could have their daycare on site. They could have a dry cleaner, a hair salon, um, you know, post office right there on site. They could have a variety of services and drop-offs right there so that you didn't have to leave work and go do those errands. So at first, it was a great convenience, and people really bought into that idea. But what eventually happened, and what critics found and researchers found, was it really was just keeping people at work longer and helping people become more addicted to their workplaces or over-identify with their workplaces. Now, work-life balance has to do with technology and the availability of workers and work 24-7 around the clock around the globe. And in 2020, that was exacerbated with a global pandemic and people suddenly finding themselves working from home and feeling that immense bleed between their work and home lives. Work-life balance has also been very successfully used in the self-help industry to publish books and courses and to layer on the guilt for all of us about being out of balance between our work and home lives, or to simply tell people that imbalances are bad. And so therefore, if you buy my simple course or my book, I'll help you find balance, which is good, and you'll be happy. So there are a lot of forces at work that tell us that work-life balance is a good thing. And yet, when we think back to some of our favorite times and our best memories, 
those are probably not times that we think of being zen-like or feeling balanced. So let me offer a couple of notions that might shift your perspective a little bit on balance, what it is, whether or not you can find it, and some strategies to put it into a different perspective. I don't believe that work-life balance is bad. I just don't think it's the end-all be-all that we need to be chasing after because if we're chasing so much after the balance, we're not living life and we're not being productive at work. So let's think about this in a different way. A lot of people think balance is linear and like a teeter-totter, which has a fulcrum at the midpoint, uh, if one thing is out of balance, then that side, if there's too much work on one side, you won't have enough life on the other. And if there's too much life stuff going on, there won't be enough work. But I find this is too simplistic because it's too linear. And quite often, most of us are juggling far more than just one thing or two things or three things at a time. Most of us wear many different hats. We have our work life. We have our family. We have our extended family. We may be caring for parents. We may be caring for other family members. We may be volunteers in different organizations. Uh, we may also have our social group, our friend groups. So for me, balance is not linear. Instead, I view balance as more cyclical. And so when people talk about achieving balance simply by managing your time differently, shifting uh, how you perceive time, shifting how you spend your time, organizing your time, I don't really buy that because while those tools might help you, that doesn't really take into, the, into account, I don't think, the many different things that we're all trying to juggle at the same time. So let's take a look at what it means to have cyclical lives and a more cyclical idea of balance. I want to share Catherine May, author of Wintering, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times, a response to a question that she shared recently on an interview with On Being by Krista Tippett. And Krista Tippett had asked her about humanity. And this is Catherine May's response. And I thought this was really wonderful. And this resonated with me. She says, I think what it means to be human is to live a life that's deeply cyclical. There isn't one path, straight path through, and certainly not an uphill path that works its way to a summit where, I don't know, someone puts a crown on our head? I'm not sure. And the angels sing? I don't know. I'm not sure how we think that's going to work. But actually, my understanding now, as I get older of being human, is that my life is fundamentally cyclical. That everything repeats itself. That nothing lasts. And that sounds very nihilistic, but I don't think it is actually. I think that if we can truly grasp and believe in how fleeting this life is, how delicate, how subject to powers beyond our control, that we can begin to set our minds to a better way of living within it that isn't tormenting itself with trying to grasp onto things that cannot be grasped and trying to assert ourselves in places <clears throat> that is completely meaningless to do. That for me is humanity. I love that quote because that resonates with my ideas too about life being cyclical and it fits in with my view of life as an ecosystem and systems theory. When I do one thing to change one area of my life, I'm actually creating sort of a ripple effect. And if I change one thing, I'm inevitably going to change other things as well. So if we think of life as an ecosystem, I want you to think first at the micro level. 
And if you think about this, you'll understand in your very cellular makeup of your human body that life does have this cyclical nature to it. So think on a micro level for me, we're thinking about inside the human body at a cellular level. And somewhere inside of you, you know this is true. At a cellular level, our human bodies constantly work as cyclical machines, sending and receiving all kinds of information in looped systems. Our hormones are cycling. We have a circadian rhythm for our sleep. Our blood circulates. It's a constant process of growth, death, regeneration, and all of the systems in our body that are working cyclically are also working in harmony to keep each other and every system going. Now think with me on a macro level. Let's think a little bigger. Get outside the human body and think about nature. Nature is also obviously quite cyclical. The change of seasons over most of the planet, the growth, death, and regeneration of plants and animals along with adaptations over time for survival, it's all cyclical. Our tides ebb and flow. Think about our sunrises and our sunsets, how our planet moves and turns through the universe, our seasons, everything changes. Everything is cyclical. So for me, the argument that better time management or simply creating a, a template for more organization will lead to more work-life balance is really just fleeting. It does not take into account the seasons and the cycles of life and work and the very planet we live on. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with schedules and organization and time management and templates. I live by them. But to think that they will quickly fix the idea of balance or imbalance in our entire lives is an elusive goal, and it's naive. So what is the answer? What do we do if we are still looking for some type of work-life balance? Well, I have five suggestions to share today. Number one, let go of this linear idea of work-life balance in the first place. And instead of thinking of work versus life, and that you have to spend less time on one in order to be successful in another, or that somehow you have to constantly you know, manage both so that you can find balance, which is going to be fleeting anyway, if you've ever been on a teeter-totter, um, that is going to throw you into, I think, more stress and more anxiety than if you let go of that linear idea. Instead, if you can embrace the idea of an ecosystem, of a more cyclical idea of balance, that there are many working parts to who we are and to what we do, and that inevitably, if we tweak one, eh, something else will also change a bit. Rhythms in life are natural. Times of abundance are natural. Times of lean are also natural. Times of rest, times of work are natural. They're cyclical. For a long time, I have embraced the notion of holy imbalances of life. I worked in churches for many, many years, and this idea of the holy imbalances of life fit very well with that idea for me of an ecosystem in life. And balances and imbalances will come and go in life all the time. And to embrace both is maybe a skill and partly maybe the work of spirituality. But 
I found living through the church year of, for example, uh, Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter, those wonderful preparatory times that were a flourish of activity and a flourish of preparation and, and a flourish of celebrations and so many things happening and so many things to do during those times of year, even though it was exhausting, they were wonderful. Equally wonderful were the times in between, that time after Christmas, before Lent, a time of rest, was welcome and holy and sacred that I embraced. That time after Easter and Pentecost, where, again, it's it's actually called ordinary time, right? Ordinary time. I embraced that time as a time of rest after the busyness. It's not so much that I resist balance, but it's that I recognize life doesn't always work that way, and that I can embrace the sacred imbalances as easily as I can embrace those fleeting moments of balance when I find them. So I encourage you, first of all, to let go of this linear idea, this teeter-totter idea that work-life balance is simple to achieve, uh, and that maybe will save you some money on books and courses as well. Secondly, number two, I think what we can do is change our perspective about balance in the first place. We tend to look at the day-to-day of our lives and our work, and we take a very short view, and that helps us buy into this idea that our days are not balanced, our work is not balanced, our lives are not balanced, because we're only looking at a day, a week, maybe even a month at a time. But I would argue that in the arc of a year or years within the framework of your work, you are probably far more balanced in your work and in your life than you think if you look at it from a little different, longer view or a little different perspective. The same thing is true if we look at our life as an ecosystem. If we just look at ourselves It's pretty easy to see how maybe unbalanced we feel or how, uh, you know, inefficiently we may work in some ways. But if we look at the larger family system that we're a part of, if we look at our extended family, our neighborhood, our community, our profession, our country, our globe, we might see ourselves in a very different context and might see that, hey, Actually, we're doing pretty okay in terms of work-life balance. That doesn't mean that we can't improve, but if we change our perspective and take a little bit longer view, we might not feel as bad about each day, some days not being as productive as others. Take, for example, in the context of one year, we have in many parts of the world seasons And so in the context of one year, four seasons seem very balanced. If you were to only experience winter or only experience summer or only live at the North Pole, you would probably not experience much balance. And you might not like the earth (laughs) or that particular location for very long. But if you live in a place that offers different seasons and a change of seasons, the year seems very balanced and we always have something to look forward to and we always have a time that maybe gives rest, which is why I like the idea in Catherine May's book about wintering. Winter as a time of rest and quiet and magic. 
If you think even broader in the context of four years, a leap year makes sense. We don't have a leap year every year. It's every four years. And it makes sense. In the context of a thousand years, a major upheaval of societies and systems, well, that also makes sense too. So first of all, uh, number one, go back to let go of our linear ideas of work, number perspectives, and think broader. Think at a 40,000-foot level instead of the you know, very micro level just on yourself. Number three, let's check in with ourselves. Do we feel out of balance? Maybe you are in the type of work or in a field of work that is naturally seasonal or has periods built in that are unbalanced. Uh, I know from experience that there are times of year when working in a church is extremely busy and taxing, and other times of year where it can be quite quiet and restful. Think about accountants. The end of the month often is very stressful for accountants as they close books every month. Think about the end of a quarter or think about tax season. Think about landscapers who often have extremely long days during the summer. Uh, and maybe more quiet days or shorter days in the winter. Think about teachers who work a school year, nine months. Um, I realize they work, we all work year-round as teachers, but think about just the change of pace. Check in with yourself. Do you feel like you need to change some boundaries? Do you feel like you need to manage time differently? Do you feel like you're out of balance? Because the truth is, Maybe things are a little out of whack. Maybe you are working a little too much right now. Maybe you are not working enough right now. Check in with yourself and honestly think about where you are and where you would like to be. Are you missing time with your family and friends? Are you missing out on work opportunities because you are spending more time with family and friends? Check in with yourself and see if there are things that do feel out of balance for you. Now, what if you check in with yourself and you say, nope, all is good. Well, number four, (laughs) check in with those that you trust the most, a partner, a spouse, anyone that you trust to be honest with you in a caring way. Ask those people if they think you are working too much or too little, or are you out of balance in other areas of your life? Are there things that you should be paying attention to that you are not? Is this simply a season for you in your work life that requires more travel or more time? Or is it a season of life where you need more time with your family, your children, your parent? Do you need to renegotiate tasks and responsibilities with a spouse or with a partner for a period of time? Uh, We have to do this all the time in our household. We have to renegotiate based on, you know, what people have going on in their lives and renegotiate the tasks and the responsibilities so that When someone has uh, more work and travel involved in their job, the rest of us pick up more tasks. Or when someone is facing um, a lot more deadlines and a lot more homework or studying for final exams, the rest of us pick up a little bit and do extra around the house to make up for it. So first four things, let go of linear ideas. Let's change our perspective a bit, have a broader view, larger context. Check in with yourself. Check in with those that you trust. And number five, hmm, how about embracing some of those imbalances? Those imbalances are the imperfect and often most memorable times of our lives. 
Imbalance is not a bad place to live as long as it's uh, sort of temporary, right? So it's okay for me if I have periods of more rest, like a winter break. And it's okay for me if I have a time that is imbalanced work-wise, like preparing for a major event for my students. The important thing for me is to sort of understand and know those rhythms ahead of time so that I can renegotiate the tasks with those I live with so that I can check in with myself and take care of myself during those times that are maybe a little more stressful, a little more out of balance. And I can also take the larger view and say, Mm, this period, even though it's very stressful for work, will not last. It, I will come to a time again of rest. And I can let go of this linear idea of if I just do this one simple thing, it'll be better. Because you know what happens is when it doesn't work, then we feel bad again about ourselves. And we think it's our fault that those five steps didn't work or those uh, seven habits didn't work. At any rate, I hope this gives you some interesting uh, perspective and some things to consider as you're thinking about and seeing all the different things out there about work-life balance. Don't feel bad if you're not achieving a zen-like existence between your work and life all the time. I'm not sure that that's even really something a lot of people are going to want. It's certainly not something that I aspire to. Instead, I really, really enjoy those holy imbalances. I really enjoy those seasons of my work and of my family life. All right, friends, I'm going to end it there. Remember that I am here for you so that you can be there for those who need you the most. Reach out to me at soundofencouragement at gmail if you have questions or comments or thoughts about this or any other episode, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Take care, friends. We'll see you around in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Sounds of Encouragement is hosted edited and produced by Melissa Slocum. Music composed by Melissa Slocum and Steve Tressler. Music produced by Steve Tressler. For questions about the show or to get involved or be a guest, email soundofencouragement at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave those positive reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Steve Tressler and Christina Lopriori, who encouraged me to do this. If you have found value in these episodes, please let me know through the comments, reviews, or via email. And if I can do anything to support or encourage you, please reach out and let me know. Thanks for listening.